I'd love to just start out and understand, you know, where are you currently based and is that where you're from? Yeah, I'm currently based in Belgium. I have lived here my whole life. I, I, I grew up in a very small town called Wichelen and now I have moved to Aalst, which is like a little bit bigger of a city also here. And I can't imagine that where you grew up sounds like it would be a natural maybe tech hub sort of area, but um, I guess I'm curious to start off with like what what drew you to tech and how did you find your way on this path? I started tech quite late. So my high school was like, I did four years of what they call here general high school, which is like you are intended to go to like uni or, or college. But then I, I went on to do something called hardware management, which is like everything hardware related of computers. I did that for two years when I finished high school and I, I thought I was going into server management in college, but it was like a general IT in the first year of college. Mm, and okay. I got like familiarized with programming and really, well, I really started to love programming and I kept doing it. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Would you say that you're mostly self-taught in that sense as it relates to your programming skill set, or did you pick some of that up when you were in university? Um, I, I would say that a lot of it, like the, the fundamentals were all me studying for like for college, like exams and stuff. But like all the additional knowledge, like the practical knowledge was like, I, I started working quite early, like I hadn't finished school yet. And well, I, I started working where I eventually then started doing my internship. So most of my practical knowledge was self-taught. Okay. Interesting. That's great. I'd love to understand what your journeys looked like at Stelly so far. You joined early on when the company was still even GraphCDN. Tell me a little bit more about what that experience has been like. In the start, we were like working on all, all the additional features to like make GraphCDN more easy to adopt for companies, like have, have a way to locally test it, have alerts for errors, all of these things. A lot of it was finding our groove. Like, how are we going to work? Because we were the first engineers. We, there, there was a lot of new, new stuff for us. And l luckily, Tim had a lot of ideas already. And we went and, and worked on those ideas. Uh, in the start, we had a lot of new features. We started, like, writing tests. We rewrote, like, some things in the CDN to, to like, make it more easy for us to work, mm. uh, like, to get new features going. So, yeah, it was, it was very exciting. Oh my gosh, it sounds like it. It also sounds like a lot of ambiguity and just figuring things out as you go and experimenting. Was this your first experience working in that type of startup environment early stage or had you done this before? Um, so Stelly, this was my first product job where oh, okay. we just focus on one product and then we keep working on it. Like the four to five years I've worked before were all consultancy. So you do like a project or a product for like six months, maybe max a year. So like getting this full ownership and, and knowing that the ownership you have now is one that's going to be carried around in the company is new to me. And I really like that because you can commit fully to like, this is, this is going to be my expertise or this is going to be what I will be proud of. I, I like that. Yes. That, that ownership element comes into play so much more so I can imagine than in a consultancy type relationship. 
But I bet you there were so many learnings involved in that. What would you say were some of the things you took away from your time working in the consultancy side of IT? Um, I think like, this might be a bit of a weird one, but like often people think like, this person will be hard to replace or or whatever. And as as a consultant, you often see that you get to have all of this impact and, and people are learning from like how you are doing things. But at the end of the day, when you move away, everyone just like has that new experience and keeps on working. And and I found that part to be really cool about consultancy because you, you get to improve a project, like how they're working, um, they're having issue X, and then you come up with a few right. solutions, new workflows, and, and you just see them picking it up, you're gone and they just keep going. Right, right. That's interesting. And my understanding is that there's a connection there to Stellate. Some of the team members were working with you in that point in your career. Is that correct? Is that the connection on how you really kind of initially found out about what was GraphCDN and now Stellate at the time? Um, in, in two parts. So I joined with two other people that I worked with before, Phil and Andy. But I mainly got to know Stellate or tried applying to Stellate when I saw Max tweeting on Twitter. because. Mm. Like I, I had seen Max before, like in the open source world, like he, he had been collaborating on, on the Urkel repo and like, it, it seemed fun to, to like go into another company where the founders have open source experience and know what it's like. That's one of the main reasons for me to, well, to apply. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. And that's something that's been a newer experience for me is seeing so much of our team be passionate and active in the open source community. Um, I think that's a pretty cool factor about our team and also our founders. That is interesting. I didn't know that connection there as far as like that you were already aware of Max in the space, but that makes sense. Could you tell me a little bit more about from your perspective, you know, what do you think makes Stelly a unique company among other earlier stage startups, whether it's in our GraphQL space or within a bigger ecosystem? What's what are some differentiating factors about Stellate? I guess from the companies that I've worked on is that everyone gets involved in, in company building. Like in the first company I worked, that was more like a, a founder's thing. Like the two founders mm. were more involved in like mm-hmm. building the company and, and how, we were, um, how we were getting people in our company. Everything there was like the founders did it like all the interviews everything was founders so now i'm i'm like part of this company where everyone has a say in like how we are expanding our values how we are adding value it's very novel for me and i i like it i personally don't know how other startups do this but right. like seeing for instance sue write about these things yeah it's it's inspiring to me yeah yeah I know every startup's a little bit different, but I have found many of the same trends that you're talking about with Stellate that I think are really differentiating factors. Um, I also think something personally um, that comes to mind as you were saying some of those points is the default to open lens that we have as well and how it empowers our people. That was something so new to me where you're comfortable or you're, we all are getting more comfortable putting information out in the open and working in this distributed environment in that manner um, has been has been new to me, but it's been really exciting and kind of eye-opening as far as potential that we have as a company. What would you say in your career has been the favorite, your favorite job you've ever held and why? Uh, currently, I, I would really have to go for Formidable. 
that was like joining it was a very humbling experience. Like all, I, I went from like a small local company to a okay. company with all of these people I've admired. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was very humbling. And they, they had this very unique vision where as a consultancy, what you bring extra over other companies is, is your culture. Because like you, mm. all the projects you're, you're consulting at are their own company. Like you, you could also right. go work there and see the same value as you're seeing day to day. But like Formidable had this, this whole amazing culture, which they worked on daily. And like everyone supports each other, which mm, that's cool. was really, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, I think that was for me one of uh, the coolest experiences. And how long were you with Formidable? I was there for two years. Two years. Wow. And in that consultancy aspect that, that entire time? Yeah. Yeah. Was, um, yeah. Well, I, I maintained Urkel with Phil mm. during those two years. And we, we were on client projects as well. Like the, the open source aspect in, in Formidable was like a first class citizen. They, they, they mm. really understood like if you don't have a project, go work on open source. If you want to, you, you can work on it in your spare time as well. And we'll give you something for it, which, oh, wow. which was really nice because they understood that their, pro- their open source projects were helping them get customers. Right. They saw the value in them and they, they supported the team behind that. That's awesome. That's great to hear. What uh, would you say your parents and family someone was to ask them, what does Yovi do every day? Do you think they have a good answer for that? How would they describe what you do? So I, I, I asked my partner this um, a bit ago and, and she just said, IT-er. I, I always describe you as an IT-er. I, I don't know how to describe it otherwise. I know my mom says he just makes things, which I find a very flattering way of putting what I do. Cause like I, I hit a keyboard uncontrollably for hours and hope it works. <laughs> like. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, so an IT-er. And that, yeah. do you think that does a good job of summing it up, essentially? I mean, I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> every time she describes me as that, it's like, can you fix my computer? I'm like, I did that when I was 16. I really don't think I know everything that's going on right now. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. You instantly become the family uh, source of IT. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What would you say, based on your learnings um, now working at Cellate for some time, what are some things that you would recommend to others to pay attention to when they're considering joining a startup? Mm, that's, a, that's a hard one. I, I like to think in like avoiding red flags. Like when I, for instance, was applying to Cellate, well, to Graph CDM back then, mm-hmm. a lot of the conversations with Max and Tim weren't only about work. And I think that for me was oh, like cool. the biggest plus that I could imagine because you can't just completely talk about engineering because the three of us were engineers and we were like applying. But the first thing they did was like doing all of these values checking with me. Like how do I react to certain situations? Like we made this board together where how does your day look? Like just to to check like can this Yovi guy organize a project? It, It was just fun because I, I saw there was more than just the technical aspect. Like I think they were pretty confident in the tech stuff 
And they just wanted to see, like, will this person be a good addition, like a positive addition to what we're currently doing, which is structuring everything. And that, to me, was, yeah, a plus. Yeah, Uh, looking for a culture addition versus just strictly focusing on the technical aspect. I like that. Um, And I think that's important. And that's cool to hear that even at that early part of GraphCDN's history, there was already that focus in mind as we were kind of intentionally building and growing the team. What are some strategies that you have to relax, decompress, and deal with the everyday stresses that can come with working in an early stage startup? And yeah, how do you cope with all of it? Um, I, I guess the the main thing is that I don't easily get stressed. Like when my day ends, what I often do is like I, I hop onto Discord. We have this this Discord with a lot of people that we've we've met along the way oh, cool. in our tech tech journey, and we just. Uh-huh. After work, sit there, just chat a bit. Or I go downstairs when my partner is already home. We, we just talk a bit like, how, how has your day been? Mm-hmm. Which to me is fun. Otherwise, I, I'd like to. I enjoy cooking. I'm, I'm not the greatest at it, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's cool. Those would be the three main ways. That's great. Um, I'm just curious now that you say that, did that Discord community really start to pick up traction Um recently or has this been something going on for some time um how did it happen was it an organic thing or you've got a few people spearheading the efforts i think it started during COVID. so the first time i went to london for formidable Mm. we got to know like a few people who weren't all from formidable and we all like shared this interest like we like to play games Mm -hmm. so during COVID, when we we really started to play a lot of games because like we couldn't do yeah. much much else. We like decided to make a Discord, invite all of our friends, and I I think that's how it originally started. And now it's like thirty people I think are just yeah talking about tech, talking about games. Very cool. I love that. I love that. Um, so it sounds like filling your free time, some of those things are maybe some of the same things you do if you have the busy or stressful day, even though you mentioned you don't typically get all too stressed, which you need to teach me your secrets there as well. Um, <laughs> but would you say you fill your free time with um, gaming, cooking? What are some other things? Um, well, like I like to go out on walks or, or runs, uh, go out with friends. I think like my, my friends are well, have been the best way to decompress for the longest time. Like if I had a long week, we would just hang out somewhere, just sit, talk about everything and nothing at once, have a drink. Mm. It's been fun. I love that. Talk about everything and nothing at once. That's a good way to look at it. What would you say if you had the opportunity to go a little bit back in time and give your younger 18-year-old self some advice based on some of these lessons learned in your career so far? Anything come to mind that you would tell that? You would tell him? Probably something along the lines of stop looking ahead. Don't don't look for success. Things will come your way. You will meet awesome people. You will see awesome things. It it will come. That's cool. Don't focus on it so much. Just live a little bit more in the here and now, I guess is the theme I'm hearing. Yeah. I, I used to be very focused on like, what, what will I do after college? Like you, you look like three years ahead, but then you, you, like you forget like the awesome things happening in the year itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. You mentioned meeting some awesome people. Um, 
I'd love to understand and hear a little bit more from you about some of those people that have been influential in your life, whether it be personally or professionally, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, th- I think that's three people, Marvin and Jason from the Preact project and Phil, which I co-maintain Oracle with. Marvin, because like when I initially started uh, in open source, well, I I had this little form library and I wanted to make it like work everywhere. And I was very excited about it, which is <laughs> just something I made myself. And like, it wasn't maybe, it wasn't like seeing usage or anything, but it was really fun just hacking on it. And I, I saw this, this pre-acting and I was like, oh, my library, my little form library has to work here. But they were missing like this, this one thing to test, to test oh. hooks. And okay. like I, I coded something up and I made a pull request and Marvin just jumped in and, and he started discussing with me and, and like guiding me to an actual proper solution, like not the little shortcut hacky thing that I made, mm-hmm. which to me was extremely meaningful. It was just fun to have someone like, like he could probably code this in 10 minutes and he was spending his time talking to me, getting to a proper solution for hours. Wow. I, yeah, that, that really sold me on, on like the whole open source thing. Same for like Jason. Jason is, every time he like talks about something, I learn a million things. Because he wow. has tried everything and like knows so much about web performance. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got passionate about web performance because of everything he talks about. How did you initially get connected to Jason? Oh, or well, hear about who he is? I am, when I started on, on like actively contributing on Preact, uh, then they asked me in the core team oh. and I, I knew who Jason was because like he originally founded Preact and then I got into a Slack where we had a private channel and like I could see Jason talking and like see his ideas and that was oh, cool. just, yeah, fun. That's awesome. Were those your three? Yeah, as a third was was um, was Phil. Like every time he puts his mind to something, he just goes for it. And it's like the things that come out of it can teach you a million things if you just read closely. And like he doesn't shy away from explaining everything. Like he'll he'll type up like a complete description of like this does mm. this and we do this because of why. And that is inspirational to me because I. I Sometimes word things very briefly, and mm-hmm, then I notice, mm-hmm. like a few days later, like if someone rereads this, they learn absolutely nothing. They don't know why I did this, and right. yeah, I keep reminding myself that context myself. is missing, and exactly. that thoroughness is extremely appreciated. And I have found, especially working within an asynchronous startup environment, context is key, and the more you can give, the better. So sometimes it is meaningful to take those extra minutes to type it up, but that's. That's inspiring to hear that that's just a part of, it sounds like Phil's nature and how he approaches things inherently. Well, cool. So, you know, you're very active, not only in the open source community, but also in the GraphQL ecosystem specifically. Are there any trends that you're seeing or that you believe will continue to be important five years from now? I think one of the big trends in in general open source, but also visible in GraphQL is that we're seeing more funding go towards open source, like be that mm. like a big company hiring an engineer to exclusively work on Project X or a startup like the Guild, the GraphQL Guild having right. more, more clients and like more popularity. 
or just general projects such as GitHub sponsors or open collectives getting more money. I, th I think that's a very strong trend and mm -hmm. will lead to more sustainable open source, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> one can only hope. Right, because that's the goal, I think, is getting more and more people over time, hopefully excited, passionate about and involved in the open source community. Yeah. It's never a bad thing to have more hands, is, is what I would imagine. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, of people to answer and a lot of problems to solve. And sometimes it's uh, very difficult to do that with the limited resources you have. Gosh, I can only imagine. How do you balance the need in that sense for collaboration in open source, but also the need for that precious solitude and focus when you're working on complex problems? I guess to me, it's the collaboration often happens before and after the, the moment of head down coding. Uh, like we have an issue that describes some some feature or, or some bug that someone is running into. And then you're like, oh, I'll take it. You, you, you code something up, you, you open the pull request and then the collaboration starts yeah. again. So I think for me, it's like that before and after that's the collaborative part. Mm -hmm. And and that, that little part in the center where you are away trying to solve it, that's the solitude part. Yes. Um, and it's also that component of unblocking each other, I would imagine, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and probably also giving context as much as possible. What we were just talking about becomes, I would think, all the more relevant. Yeah, exactly. Like having context in open source is so difficult. Like when someone says like, oh, when I click this button, something happens. And then you, you have to like imagine like, what, 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 ha what has this person been doing? So the very good recent development, well, recent, the past few years is like Code Sandbox, who make it, yeah. who make it very easy to like have this minimal reproduction on open source repositories. Because without that, mm. I think half of the Preact issues and Oracle issues would be unsolved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jumping back a little bit to, I'm curious, base, being based in Belgium, you know, how would you say that has influenced your perspective and experience working in the software industry, if it has? Belgium has a very, very active PHP community mm. and, well, a lot of Java and, and, and stuff like that. Like the JS communities okay. like are still growing. Like uh, I went to React Brussels from BGS uh, earlier this year. Yes. Which, yes. which is awesome to see. Like I'm, I'm very happy that this is developing. Like I'm not the person who who can like set all of this up, honestly. Like I would right. be so lost doing all of that. But seeing people oh, yeah. passionate about building those communities is awesome. And apart from that, like <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier, like I, I'm from a smaller city. Uh, yes, in, in, yes. In the city, like everyone was so obsessed with working hard and like spending a lot of time. And one of the essential things that I've learned in I think my first three years is that it's not all hard work and spending your time. It's 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 about priorities. Like people can prioritize yes. time with their family. People can want a career. There's there's so much to consider. And at the end of the day, we're all just people working to well, for our livelihoods. So I yes I like to like I understand why that was like a whole thing back then. But it's it's much more than that. Yes, it's refreshing to see a little bit of that shift. Um, I see it in the U.S. with younger generations, and it's cool to hear that 
you see it living in Belgium as well, as well is that you can have both. Um, you can work in a startup environment in the tech space and work very hard and do meaningful and rewarding work, but you can also set boundaries and have that personal aspect to your life as well. That's important to keep in mind. Would you have any advice that comes to mind when you talk about you know, open source work for developers who may be interested in breaking into that space or getting involved, but they're, they're hesitant to do so? What would you say? I would advise people to just go for it. There's so many like projects that need help it's yeah it's it's astounding you you can just start with like go into an issue go into like a github discussion and and try to help someone with some experience that you have be that like a small thing like a question like how do i set up off here or anything basically if you can answer it just go for it try it if there's something missing someone else can jump in and help you out as well. And it's a learning experience for everyone then. And it sounds like, you know, sometimes starting small and getting more involved over time can lead to taking on more and more responsibility um, and maybe even being part of a core team on an open source project someday. So yeah, definitely. Like, and I am 100% sure that as you're picking up more, you're getting more acquainted with like the whole code base because just tackling a feature is extremely scary to do as a first thing like everything is unknown and you just have to tackle everything which is impossible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. switching gears a little bit if you took your your skill set in what you're doing now with your career away you know are there anything else occupationally you would like to try or a career you've always hoped to try um i have like a real interest in like how people think so like i i would see myself like studying psychology or something that's like the my main reading uh is like all books like mm-hmm. thinking fast and slow um it's mm. it, I, I i love reading about fallacies and, and stuff like that so i i think that's one of the one of the things one of the few things that i see myself doing very cool so studying psychology and then maybe practicing or going on to be a, a teacher yourself i I, I honestly don't know that part. Uh, that, that's the fuzzy part. <laughs> you haven't thought that far into it yet, but it's cool to know that that's a passion of yours and it sounds like you already do a lot of reading and researching there on the side. Yeah, yeah. What about any books um, that you have recently been reading that you would recommend to anybody? Um, well, in, in the book I just mentioned earlier, Thinking Fast and Slow, is one of the books I that has really shaped like how I think about like interactions and so on. Like it, it has guided me towards a lot of different books of about human fallacies and more on the engineering track. I've been reading engineering management for the rest of us by Sarah Drasner, mm. which has, it has been an amazing read. Like it also mentions like the whole values thing that we've been working on at Stellate Hard as well. It was refreshing to read. Yes, those are great suggestions, both of which I have never read before, but especially the first one sounds right up right up my alley. So thank you for sharing those recommendations. Are you a podcast person? Do you listen to podcasts regularly? Not that much, no. I used to listen a bit to, um, and I blanked on his name, oh, Lex Friedman, uh, the Lex Friedman podcast, because 
mm. a lot of like the really tech people like the, the the inventor of python and stuff has been on there which was just cool to listen to very cool very cool as we move now into a new year and um Coming up on some changes, are there things that you're looking forward to within the GraphQL ecosystem specifically that you think are on the horizon or some anything that you're seeing there that, that you're excited about? I think seeing the, the boundary between Relay and other GraphQL clients like Urkel disappear would be amazing because now you have all of these advantages by using Relay because they have worked extremely hard to have all of these things correct. Like everything, as long as you stick to how their schema has to look, it works fantastically. If that line can get blurrier, if more GraphQL Mm -hmm. clients can get that advanced, that would be amazing. And that is a goal that I will definitely try to pursue for this year. Very cool. Very cool. Um, are you yourself pretty active within any GraphQL communities, whether it be either online or locally where you live? Um, I'm, I'm not active in like general communities. Like I'm active on like the Urkel issues or Urkel discussions. Mm-hmm. And like if I see things on Twitter, I will answer, but not like uh, an actual community, no. Understood. Makes sense. At our offsite recently at a, as a company, we did an exercise where we broke the team up and we asked people, if you identify as extroverted, stand on one side. If you identify as introverted, stand on another. And I would say um, majority of our engineering team actually all said that they identify on the introverted side. And I thought that was interesting to see. Um, and so I guess my question for you would be, do you identify as an introvert or would you say you identify as an extrovert? I would be the special one who goes stand in the middle and be like, well, I'm an introvert if I don't know you. And if I'm comfortable with you, I'm probably more of an extrovert. I don't know. It's People will probably label me as an introvert. Have you found that it to be of any benefit or have you had to adapt in any way um, in your career due to that fact? Um, I, I need to go more out of my way to like update people to what I'm doing because I forget that so often. And I, I think that is part of why people say I'm an introvert. But yeah, mm. I like looping people in more frequently. It's definitely something I have to think about. That makes sense. Would you say that software engineering as a career path lends itself to people who identify maybe more as introvert, given the focused nature of what you're doing on a daily basis? I don't think so, because like a lot of software engineering is, is communication. Like if your specialty is like having everyone in the loop and, and sharing the knowledge with everyone, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most valuable skills there is. Like mm-hmm. being able to share your learnings is crucial to have everyone be able to work on a certain feature or in a certain code base. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Something I've appreciated from a values perspective that we've been doing as a company too is sharing those learnings out in the open and quickly iterating based on those as a team. And so I agree with you there. That's that's a key. You can't work in a silo. You have to collaborate and communicate and share that back. Well, cool. You know, I'm curious, what would you say are some tips that you would share to anybody who is more of a junior programmer? They're starting out in their learning journey or in their career. Anything, any words of wisdom or advice? 
Uh, I think for me, one of the essential parts was to just build stuff. Like I, I was very interested in the start, like getting a website going. I was very into like basketball stats. And I, oh, cool. I, I built this small scraper to like get statistics on, on like everything basketball, like visualize it. Oh, these people are playing against each other. What are like when they play home, how much times do they win? Things like that. I would, it was just like this fun little experiment always. And you don't need to like get it public or, or like get it into a shape where everyone would like it. If you want to put it out there and get people's feedback, that's that's okay. If you don't want to, that's also okay. You you probably learn a bunch by just getting stuck into a problem, googling it for a bit, trying different solutions, and like whatever you get to, if it works, you've learned. Like you got past a problem, on to the next one, and I I think that for me was like the most crucial thing. Like getting okay. to like this mindset of I'll bump into problems. I will maybe lose a day on them. Like, uh, it's it's not cool, but it well it it happens. You learn. It's all there's to it, and it can take a while to learn everything. But that's it's a giant ecosystem. Specialize in something, and you will you will get the rest. Would you recommend to programmers starting out that they try to specialize more, or that in general at the start just try to learn and absorb as much as you can? I think I personally would go for the specialization route because the ecosystem is so broad. Like if you like become very good at, let's say styling things or very good at like orchestrating data or, or uh, design, like doing data design, then you have the, the skill covered and the rest, you will probably like see bits and pieces while building stuff and more knowledge will come, but at least you like, you, you can already do something very reliably and people want those skills because mm-hmm. someone who's good at something is, well, a, a valuable person in your team always. Yes, yes. That's good advice. More geared towards picking something, specializing a little bit more than just maybe going that nor- more generalist route because there's so much out there. Makes a lot of sense. What about your perspective on the future of GraphQL as a whole? Anything that that you think there? I guess GraphQL has become the, it, it used to be like this exciting new thing. And now we, we, we get into the stable phase. Like it becomes mm. more boring and people know the trade-offs and that's, that's good. That's, that's the situation you want to be in because now people are less hype driven and are like more mm-hmm. making choices about if I go to solution X, then I won't have like this, this one data graph. But if I have this one data graph, initially setting things up might be a bit harder. I, people making these trade-offs actively has, I think, a good impact on how people perceive a technology. Because if you just jump in and you do things, you're bound to make mistakes and you will only talk negatively about, for instance, GraphQL. So that's one of the things that I am excited about. And secondly, I, I think real-time events in GraphQL are getting more attention. Like uh, I've seen the, mm. the, the guilds work on like GraphQL servers and events, uh, GraphQL okay. over WebSocket. It's all getting more popular and seeing more attention. And I don't know, I, I, I love that. 
Yeah, no, that's exciting. As GraphQL, I think this past year just celebrated 10 years and now is in the next stage of what the the tech is looking like. That's cool to see those changes happening. What about um, you as an individual? What does your routine look like? Are you a morning person or do you do your best work in the evening hours? What does that look like for you on a typical week or day? Um, I am very much a night person. Like I wake up, I get my coffee and like I scroll through my phone and like think about how my day will look. I I catch up on the Slack messages and I, I will start my day. But when I've worked like a certain set of hours, my, my brain just goes, you need to do different stuff. It's, it's been enough, just do something else. And I don't know, then I'll play like a game or, or talk to a few people. And once my energy's back, I'll, I'll continue my day. The evening is like, once I get a lot of energy, like I, I think my partner yeah. really needs to get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, like she, she goes to bed like, quite early for me I like stay mm. up a bit more but I also don't need a lot of sleep so we still wake up at the same time like oh my gosh teach me your ways <laughs> that you don't need a lot of sleep that's that is incredible it runs in the family <laughs> really yeah my dad like also, how many hours of sleep are you good on like six hours is more than sufficient wow so you're not the eight nine hours needed to feel like you got a full night's rest Six. No, then my Six morning is less. slow. Like I, I wake up very groggy when I do that. Well, cool. And it sounds like also that maybe that works out from a perspective. Your partner goes to bed earlier and you, you do some work or get re-energized later in the evening. And Yeah, I, I most often use focus. that time to like look at GitHub to some issues on open source projects. Makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been a great conversation and I just really appreciate all of your insights, your time, your perspective that you bring not only to the Stellate team, but to the greater open source community as a whole. So thanks for joining the Future Founder Promise podcast. And I look forward to seeing what the future holds for you in your career. Thank you very much, Lauren. I love the questions. And to anyone out there who wants to start in open source or whatever, feel free to shoot me a DM on Twitter and we can talk about it. I love that. Again, thank you for your time. All right. Awesome.